Hallelujah. God is worthy of everything. Take your Bible this morning and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, and when you find that, would you please turn to chapter 25 of Matthew's Gospel. I'll join you there in just a moment. Matthew chapter 25. I wonder how many of you have ever had this experience, especially those of you who are husbands, driving down the road and you look over to your wife and you say, hey, where do you want to eat for dinner? And she looks at you and says the all familiar phrase, I don't care. How many of you guys, that's happened? How many guys see your hand? Yeah, yeah. Happens to me more times than I care to admit. Although, after you're married such a length of time, you realize what she really loves and what she likes, and then you try to go to those places. But how many of you, how many of you know, like, you ask your spouse, you say, hey, where are you going to go eat? I don't care. And then you start naming off the places that you would like to go. And she says, I don't want that, right? It's just, it's just indifference. That's what I think. It's just indifference. Now, now I want us to think this morning about something far more... Um, destructive, and that is not just indifference to the things in life, but it's spiritual indifference. You know, I wonder how many of us, when we think about our spiritual life, we're more frustrated with ourselves because we're not as passionate for God as we would want to be. Maybe you found yourself in places like that. Maybe that's where you are here this morning. You feel indifferent. You feel... Um, apathetic to the things of God. And if that's you this morning, I pray that through the service and through God's word, that the spirit of God would just awaken your heart today. You've turned in your Bible to the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew. Would you stand there with me? We're going to read from God's word beginning in Matthew chapter 25, picking up in verse 14. We're going to look at what I would believe is a very familiar story that Jesus told. In fact, it's familiar to us. We were just there a number of months ago as a church as well. But the focus of where we're looking this morning is probably a little different than the first casual reading of what we would think about when we come to this passage. This morning, we're just going to zero in our thoughts on the third servant. And I know this passage is speaking far more about God's generosity. It's speaking about our stewardship. But there is something that we glean in this passage from this third servant about apathy. Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14, you follow along with me as we read God's word together. Jesus said, for it will be like, what will it be like? Well, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven will be like. So Jesus is giving us this story, this parable to communicate something to us about the kingdom of God. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each, notice the Bible says, according to his ability. And he, the master, the owner, went away. In verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded them and he made five talents more. So also... He who had the two talents made two more talents. But he who had received the one talent went 
and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered unto me five talents. Here I have made five more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered unto me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But now I want you to focus your thoughts on verse 24. Notice this is the focus of what we'll be looking at this morning. He also, this is the third servant who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew I reap where I have not sown, gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have, his implication is you at least should have, sown and gathered where I, uh, you have at least ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what is my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has, notice Jesus said, will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in the place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, God, as we've come this morning and open your word, we believe that, God, when your word is open, that we hear your voice and you speak to us. And so, God, by your spirit today, I pray that we would not only learn, but, Lord, for those that are here this morning and where they've come from, some in this room, Lord, are in a place of spiritual apathy, I pray that, God, your spirit would aliven our hearts. God, that you would quicken us. As the psalmist said, Lord, give me life. Lord, would you give us life this morning. Lord, to see what we're not seeing, to change the course of our life today before it's too late. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Everyone said? Amen. You can be seated. If you're taking notes this morning, the message for today is the tragedy of spiritual apathy. The tragedy of of spiritual apathy. Notice, we've opened our Bibles to Matthew's gospel, and in chapter 25, beginning in the story that Jesus tells, we are giving a description of apathy. Notice, it's in the passage we read this morning. In actual fact, we could kind of call this parable the tragedy of apathy. You see, in the heading in your Bible, it's probably known as the parable of the talents, but maybe a more modern translation of that would be the parable of the investments. You see, Jesus is giving us this story, a rather simple earthly story like all of Jesus' parables, but in it, he is communicating profound spiritual implications. Jesus said in verse 1, he says, the kingdom of heaven will be like. And so here's the story. Jesus talks about this man, this owner, this businessman who was very, uh, very, very rich. He had tons of stuff. And this businessman goes away on a long extended trip. And in that, he entrusts 
to his servants, his estate, and his fortune. He gives it to these three who would be known as stewards. The Bible here calls them servants. It's really the word bondservant. These were uh, stewards that had been put into a management for this owner. And notice what was going to happen in verse 15. Look at your Bible. The, the Bible says that he gave to each one, notice what? One, five talents in verse 15, to another two, and to another the third servant. How many, how many did he get? Hold up your finger for how many? One. He gets one. Now, the Bible says each according to his ability. And so the owner gives these managers, these associates, responsibility. He gives them this money that is tied to his fortune and to his estate, and that they are to go and represent the master. And we know that the story, Jesus says, so the master of the servants comes back. He calls his associates together. It's time for a report. And the Bible says that he settles accounts with them. Now, the first two servants that had received the five talents and the two talents, the Bible says that they went out and they multiplied the master's investment. They are commended in both instances for a job well done. And in their reward, the Bible says, enter into the joy of your master. But notice the third servant who is our focus of attention today. Here's a guy who not only missed his promotion, but he lost his position. He lost his entire position. And in that, we discover the tragedy of apathy. Apathy is costly. Turn to your neighbor this morning and tell him it's costly. Apathy is costly. We discover it in this parable this morning, and Jesus in this parable will show us just how much, just how costly is our spiritual apathy. Notice in verse 18, notice, look down in your Bible. Unlike the other two, unlike the other two managers who seized the opportunity in front of them, who, who were faithful with what they had been given, Notice in verse 18, this man, this man, when he received the one talent, what does he do? He went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. This morning, I want you to see a few things about what spiritual apathy does. I want you to see some things of how we view it in our life and the destructiveness that it will cause. First this morning, if you're taking notes, spiritual apathy fails to appreciate what it's been given. Spiritual apathy fails to appreciate what it's been given. I mean, you could honestly, if you're reading between the lines, you can just imagine what this servant must have said as he went on his way from having received the one talent. As he's standing there, as the master is laying out and giving out portions of his state, and one gets five, another two, and he gets one, you could honestly almost hear him say as he walks away, are you kidding me? One, I just got one. That's not, oh, you're not, that's not, it's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, how in the world am I supposed to do anything with one talent, he may say. I didn't get what they had. And he instantly starts putting himself in the place of comparison. He begins to think about the investment of the five. He thinks about the entrustment of the two. And he starts to think, well, there's no way even I can compete with what these guys have been given. How in the world can I do that? Oh, you know what? I'll show them. He doesn't care. So I won't do anything at all. I mean, this is crazy. 
I mean, it, it, it doesn't strike us the way that maybe it would in Bible times because we don't know what a talent is, but this guy did not just receive like one little tiny thing. A talent in, in Bible times, in ancient times, was a literal unit of money in the Greco Roman world. It was not a coin, but it was a unit of measurement. It would be like what we would say thousands or millions, right? This guy received a talent. You say, how much is it? Well, in, in that day and age, it was the highest unit of measurement that they could use to describe something. It was the equivalent of 20 years' wages. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's 20 years. Just think right now, what could you do with 20 years' income? Had you saved 20 years' income, what could you do with that? It's not like this guy was given nothing. It's not like the master gave him one coin. This guy is given a talent. He is given what many Bible scholars would say is over 6,000 denarius. A denarius was the day's wage of a common laborer. And so here's this guy, and he's given this incredible opportunity. He's given this massive opportunity to do something with the owner's estate. And notice, even though he's given this generous opportunity, I mean, what a generous master. (laughs) He gives one guy 20 years wages. Another guy gets 40 years wages. Another guy gets 100 years wages. I mean, you just think about the generosity of the master and what he's given. This guy is given a serious opportunity. But here's the problem. He doesn't appreciate it. He doesn't appreciate it. Not only does he not appreciate it, in fact, I think in some way he might have resented it. Spiritual apathy fails to appreciate what it's been given. Here's the thing. Mark it down. The weeds of ingratitude will choke out a soul of ambition. The weeds of ingratitude will choke out a soul of ambition. All of us know what it's like to allow weeds to grow in the garden. Some of us are gardening. How many of you are gardening this year? Can I see your hand? How many of you are battling the age-old problem of weeds? Can I see your hand? And how many of you know what it's like to allow those weeds to take time to develop, to get their roots embedded, and how difficult some of those, I mean, some of those weeds, they may not only be so tall, but I mean, it takes everything to uproot them. And the same way, many of the roots in our life, the roots of sin that cause other sins, that bring about other sins, are are, are sown in ingratitude. Notice here, the servant had ingratitude for the giver, and in that, he showed indifference to the gifts he received. It wasn't just simply the fact that he was indifferent to the 20 years wages. It was the fact of why he was indifferent. He was indifferent to what he had been given because he was not appreciating the giver himself. And notice what happens in this passage. Here's this servant who receives this tremendous opportunity, but he is caught up with something that creeps into all of our lives, and it might be creeping in your life today, and that is apathy. You know, I've never met, really, I thought about it this week, I've, I've, I've never met a person in all the years of pastoral ministry that came to me and said, Pastor, my goal is to be spiritually apathetic. Never met one. I don't know about you, but I've never met a Christian 
who, who said that out loud. My, my desire in following Jesus is to be spiritually apathetic. Yet here's the thing. Many of us end up that way. In fact, many Christians end up spiritually apathetic. Apathy creeps up. Apathy grows, and it catches us off guard. You know, just this past year, Jessica and I have a garden bed out in front of the house, and, or behind the house. You may have seen it. And, uh, and, and this year, we had some problems with cats and animals getting in there and doing some stuff to the garden that you don't want in your vegetables. And so we just decided we got to delay and leave the ground, and you know, we would kind of keep it weeded and maybe even plant some flowers this year, but we weren't going to put food in the garden. We weren't going to eat food this year. And so well, we will eat the food this year, but we won't eat it out of the garden. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, just a couple weeks ago, I had had that garden bed cleaned out. It was, it was clean. And I'd watch as weeds would grow, a little weed pull it out. I was gone one week for camp, came back. Weeds that were like this tall before I left are now three feet over the bed, you know? I mean, now, Mr. Allen was there the other day, they're towering over my head. I mean, if, 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 and now if I'm going to get in there and weed this bed out, how many of you know it's going to be a lot harder today than it would have been two weeks ago? Can I see your hand? How many of you know that's the truth, right? And what happens? The same is true in our spiritual life. That indifference, the seeds of indifference grow in our life and they begin to create these weeds that, and if we're not careful, they begin to just choke out a soul of ambition in our life. And you know what? Most people, they don't set out to be spiritually apathetic, but they end up that way. You say, why does it happen? Well, because of life. The busyness of life and the overwhelmingness of life and the pressures of life, they just have a way, don't they, over a process of time of, of wearing us down. We find ourselves getting to the point where we find ourselves apathetic. We're, we're just not going to care anymore. And here's the problem. That's where this guy is. He gave up. It's not even that he tried. He's just apathetic. He's indifferent. He didn't care. You know, the same thing can take place in our spiritual life. James tells us in the New Testament, he says in chapter 4, he says, whoever knows to do the right thing and fails to do it, to him it is sin. I mean, James is not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about Christians who know the right thing to do and they willfully choose not to. Listen, my friends, spiritual apathy is rampant in the church of Jesus Christ today. Apathy is rampant. I mean, I wonder, how many professing Christians do you know who are indifferent, unconcerned, unmoved to the things of God? I dare say a lot of us could come up with a very long list of people who seem to us indifferent, unmoved, and unconcerned. And in place of a spiritual hunger, in place of a spiritual ambition, in place of a spiritual passion, there are a tremendous amount of people today who are experiencing the tremendous tragedy of spiritual apathy because they're apathetic to the things of God. Now, you know, when I, when I say that, some of us have a tendency to think that apathy is all-encompassing. As if, if someone's apathetic, they're just apathetic about everything. But however, I would push back from that a little bit because I don't think that's actually fully true. You see, all of us are not always enthusiastic about everything. 
For instance, there are some things in life that I care very little about. In fact, I care nothing at all. I'll tell you one. Hockey. I don't like hockey. I'm just indifferent to hockey. Uh, If you know me, I never talk about hockey. I could care less to watch hockey. Uh, I mean, we had a great activity a number of months ago. Took the students to hockey. I could care less. I would rather go out and spend the hour in the concession stands, all right? I mean, that's, that's where I find more excitement is with a pretzel than with hockey. You say, I, I can look at you and tell. Okay, well, let's move on. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I don't care about hockey, but I do like some other sports. I'm trying to get really passionate right now again about golf. I just, the other week, Justin and I were out at the wilds and learned to golf again, and I'm like, I think I like this, maybe for a few months, right? But here's the thing. If you're apathetic towards something, it might, in fact, be that your heart is passionate about something else. It's not that you're just completely apathetic of everything. I think many Christians who are apathetic to the things of God are actually very passionate people. They have a lot of loves. They have things that they value, things that they cherish, things that they go after. It's just that now they're apathetic to the things of God. You say, why is that? Something else has caught their attention. You see, for this guy, it wasn't that he did nothing with his life. It's the fact that he did nothing with with what the master entrusted to him. He only did that of which he wanted. So here's the thing. All of us in this room have to be so careful as the weeds of ingratitude grow in our life that they do not choke out a soul and is hungry for the things of God. The issue with the third servant was that he didn't care about everything. It was that he did not care with what the master had entrusted to him. You see, our attitude toward things in life, our attitude toward the gifts in life will reveal whether or not we really love the Lord or we only love the things that he gives us. You see, this man did not love the master. His actions spoke that he did not. Rather than pursue the master's desires, he pursued his own desires. And here's the problem. You better watch out in your spiritual life for the attitude of indifference and the attitude that, that, that says, I, I don't appreciate what I've been given because you don't know the weed that'll grow in your life. That's why some of us are here this morning and we can look back at our life six months ago and we could think, wow, I seem to be so on fire for God. I thought I cared about the things of God and now I'm just finding myself going through the motions. I'm here in church. I'm going through the things. I'm doing the things. I'm serving, but I just don't care. Why? Because there's a weed growing in your life that has begun to choke out the ambition for Christ. It's, it's, it's this weed of apathy You see, spiritual apathy is so treacherous because by the time it takes root in our life, it's like a weed, man. It just like completely engulfs us. And here we see in this passage this morning, a servant who failed to appreciate the good in what he's given. I wonder if that's you here this morning. Have you failed to appreciate what it is that God has given you? Has your attitude towards the things of God recently been indifferent? Has your attitude toward your time in the word to gathering with the church, with uh, loving and serving the body of Christ, have you found yourself just saying, I'm not, 
up for that today, then you might find yourself this morning in a place of spiritual apathy. Notice, secondly, spiritual apathy does a couple things in our life. One, spiritual apathy fails to appreciate what it's been given. But secondly, notice, spiritual apathy fails to accept what it's been given. You see, the story in this passage reminds us that, that, that everything that we have in life comes to us through the sovereign hands of God. And, and all of us this morning do not get to determine the size of our talents. This guy did not get a chance to just take a, a buffet choice of life and say, I think I like this. No, he was given this, and it was his to accept. You know, there's some of us in the room this morning that just can't accept that. We think that God was unfair to us. We think that the master did not do right by us. We think that if things had been done differently, then I would accept that. But I'm not going to accept the things here. But here's the notice. There's things in life that cannot be changed. Turn to your neighbor and tell them they can't be changed. They can't be changed. This guy, in all his resentment, could never change the fact that he only received one talent. tell you what, it breaks my heart because I, 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 I've encountered Christians who live life in resentment. But can I tell you, all the resentment in the world will not go back and change what happened. All the resentment in the world will not go back and alter what has been dealt to you. And some of us only want to play the if only game. You know, I mean, this is just human nature. What do you think he was saying to himself as he went back his way that day? He's thinking about the money, maybe this shackles and shekels. You know, if only, if only I had been given a little more, then I could. You know, I might have been able to do this investment if I had, but no, I don't have that. He just didn't accept what he was given. And some of, us, some of us are there this morning. We're, we're not accepting the life that God has given us. And some of the life that we've chosen for ourselves. We say, well, if only I had a different spouse. If only my son was like. If only I had this. If, if, if maybe I was there. If, if, if only I had not of. And then we, we, we play this game of, of just not accepting the things that God gives us. The Bible says very clearly that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So this morning, when we're apathetic about God, you know this to be true. There is no amount of excuses that, that there is no shortage of excuses in our life. Notice in verse 24, look down in your Bible in verse 24. He comes up with all the excuse. Verse 24. So when he had received the one talent, he came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. Notice, this whole statement is filled with excuses. Excuses of accusatory statements of who the master is like. Reasons of what he felt like. All of these things that he was just pouring out as if, you know, I, uh, oh, I know you're a hard man. Well, the master wasn't a hard man. He has completely mischaracterized the master. But here's what he's doing. Do you see what he's doing in these verses? He's blaming the master for his own negligence. Man, how many of us do that in the Christian life? Talk to me. How many of us do that in the Christian life? How many of us start blaming God 
with excuses for our own negligence. You say, why is that? Because you chose it that way. And then when life doesn't go the way you want it, and when there's a day of accounting, then you have all the excuses in the world as to why you were not responsible. Notice, he's blaming his responsibility on a mischaracterization of the master. In fact, his words would show us that he doesn't know the master at all. He's, he's misrepresenting him. He resents him. And here's my question to you this morning. How often does that happen in our life? How often does that become our response to the master? That regardless of whatever he's given us, it is never enough. Notice, the third servant had enough. He had enough. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he, he had enough. He had enough. He had enough to do something with it. He had enough to make an investment. He had enough to do something profitable. He had enough to do something good. He, he had enough. But he would not accept what he was given. So you know what he does? He does nothing. Some of us in our Christian life this morning, you're here today, and that is you. You think that God owes you. You think that God did not do right by you. And the reality this morning is that regardless of what God would have given you, it doesn't change your attitude towards him. It doesn't change your bitterness in your heart towards God. It doesn't change your resentment that it's never enough. Notice the servant here, he is, he is in spiritual apathy because he fails to accept what he's been given. He failed to appreciate it. But finally, notice at the end of the passage here, he just failed to use it. He doesn't even do anything with it. Notice he goes and he puts it in the ground. He, he does absolutely nothing with what he is given. And notice the response. He is judged for that. Notice in your Bible, we don't have time to read all of it, but in verse 26, the master answered him. He said, hey, notice, notice what the master says. He says, you wicked and slothful servant. You, you know better. He's, he's just telling him, you know better. You, you know that, that, that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. If that's what you think, if your mischaracterization of me is so different, then you should have at least done this. You should have at least invested my money if that's what you thought I was like, even though I'm not like that. So the Bible says, take that one talent and give to him who has 10 talents. Jesus said, verse 29, for everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance, but the one who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. You know, we're not told in this parable the response of the third servant. But when the master starts settling the accounts, when the, when the master sets everything straight, I'm sure. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing, I mean, it's not like I've been an immoral person. It's not like I've lost your money. It's not like I've done anything wicked and then gambled and blew it all. I, here, you gave me this. I'm giving it right back to you. Why in the world are you judging me? He was being judged because as a steward, he had the responsibility to act. He had the responsibility to act. And the apathy of his own heart brought him to a point where he deliberately chose not to. He had great indifference to the master. 
and great indifference to the master's word. It was his apathy that leads to his astonishment here. Notice, notice a couple things about apathy this morning as we close. Apathy is not ignorance. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's not ignorance. It's not ignorance. It's, it's not that this servant did not know. You, many of us are here this morning and we know some things. We've come to believe some things. We believe that God exists. We believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. We, 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 we believe that he is worthy, as we sang this morning, of all praise, honor, and devotion. He is worthy of everything. We, we, we know that a Christian should read their Bible. We, we, we know that a Christian should give to the Lord. We know that a Christian should serve the needs of others. We know that a Christian should rejoice in all circumstance. We know that a Christian should make disciples of all nations. But we might know the right thing to do. And don't do it. That's indifference. It's not that this guy didn't know. It wasn't like he was uninformed of what to do with the money. He he knew he was supposed to make an investment. He knew he was supposed to multiply. Apathy isn't laziness. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's not laziness. It's, it's, It's not as if he didn't try hard enough. It's not out there as if he was like really trying to multiply the master's investment and he comes back and he may not have doubled it, but he at least had half. It's not that he was at least trying. He wasn't trying. He knew what the master wanted and his response was, I don't care. That's you, my friend. That's you this morning. God's very clearly pointed out to you what he wants you to do. And you've said in no lesser words, I do not care. You know what? Apathy loves a couple words. It loves someday and one day, but not today. Have you said that recently to God? Someday I'll do that. One of these days when I get to it, no, no, my friend, the master has bid you our response, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Anything else is willful indifference. And I wonder this morning, you're here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor Aaron, the last number of days in my spiritual life, I have just found myself in a very apathetic place. The scripture says, do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. One translation says, never lagging behind in diligence, a glow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord. The implication is that a Christian can find themselves in moments of apathy, and there's actually something we must do to cultivate that spiritual fervor. You see, the great tragedy of spiritual apathy is this. We miss what God wants for us. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you'll miss it. You'll miss it. And before you know it, it'll be too late. Here's the thing. This guy had a responsibility. This guy had an opportunity. And what did he do? He was apathetic. He was indifferent. He didn't care before it's too late. Some of us are here this morning and there are things that, that, that need to change in our life and, and you keep saying one day, maybe someday, and you don't know if you have tomorrow. 
Some of you, there's somebody you need to tell them that you love them and you need to do it today. Some of you have a broken relationship that you need to try to mend and you need to do it now. Some some of you have a work that the master has given you to do and you need today to obey. There's a forgiveness that God wants you to extend. Give it right now. Don't put it off. You say, what's the application? Let me ask you, what's the cause of your apathy? We just don't get there. There's, there's weeds of indifferent, there's, there's weeds of ingratitude that begin to choke out our life, that, 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 that bring us to a point where we find ourselves spiritually apathetic. And if that's you this morning, can I just ask you some questions? Just really close as we end here this morning. First question is this, have you ever really come to know the Lord as your Savior? I mean, the Bible says our spirit bears witness with his spirit that we are, in fact, the children of God. And if, and if God's spirit today is not bearing witness with your spirit, if God's spirit is not, is not livening your heart to reveal that, yes, you are a child of God, you might not know him. Maybe the reason this morning you're so indifferent to the things of God is you don't know the master at all. Would you come to know him? Maybe for you this morning, your issues like David in the Old Testament. There is a sin in your life that is choking out your passion for God. There's a sin in your life that is choking out what God would have for you. He said in the Psalms, David says, he said, he found himself in this place. He said in Psalm 32, when I was silent, my bones wasted away through all my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Some of you this morning are unremorseful for what you've done. You're unrepentant about it. You're holding on to the sin. And you're finding out just how destructive that weed is in your Christian life. You see, sin will bring us to a point where we're disinterested in the things of God. Jesus said it. No man can serve two masters. Or maybe this morning, you're here this morning, and the reason why the things of God are cold in your life is is because you're busy I mean, you're serving. You're here every time the doors are open. You're, you think you're doing the right thing. You're in the word. You're trying to love people, but, but you just don't care. I remember what Dr. Mason used to tell me one time. He, says, he said, Pastor, he said, Aaron, he said, we can get so busy in the work of the Lord that we leave the Lord out of the work. There's something else that, that's gotten your attention today. Jesus doesn't have it, but he wants it. Can I tell you the good news this morning? Everyone look right up here and I'll be done with this. Do you know what the good news is for people like you and I that are, find ourselves in moments of spiritual apathy? Here's, here's the good gospel news. Jesus cares for people that care nothing for him. Just look at the cross. Jesus cares for people who care nothing for him. And he cares for you. You're his child. You know him as your savior. He wants you to experience a life full of joy. He wants you to enter into the joy of the master. But this morning, you're never gonna experience that if you're living a spiritual, apathetic life, if you're finding yourself in willful indifference to do what he's beckoned you to do. So so can I just invite you this morning, just repent. 
Just, just come to the Lord. Recognize, God, I have been far more indifferent about you and spiritual things than, than I think I even realize up until now. And then now when I look at my life, I, I see this weed of apathy. And you know what you need this morning? You know what the answer is? You know what turns the tide from an attitude of spiritual apathy into a passion of spiritual ambition? You know what does it? It's for the Spirit of God to awaken something in your heart. The psalmist says, Lord, quicken me. Lord, quicken me. Give me life. I can't do it. I, I can't make this in of myself. But Lord, you can quicken me. Your spirit can give me life. Give me life, the psalmist says, that I might live. Is that you this morning? You might find yourself apathetic to the things of God, but that can change by the spirit of God's help. You uproot that indifference. You uproot that spiritual complacency, and you uproot the lack of appreciation for what he's given you. Ask the Spirit of God to bring new, fresh life into your life. I'm telling you, there's some good days ahead. But you've got to make the choice. What choice will you make? Three servants made a choice. Two got it right. One got it wrong. What choice will you make? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your word that brings life Oh, Lord, we all this morning can think about moments where we have been spiritually apathetic. And we come to care less about spiritual things because our heart cares less for you. We're like the people in Revelation that lost their first love. We, we need a fresh awakening in our hearts by the power of the Spirit of God, Lord, to quicken us, to give us life. We need to do the hard thing and repent and uproot those things that have gotten such a stronghold and a foothold in our life. And Lord, we need, by your grace, to experience your joy in a life of obedience. I pray, God, for every person here this morning, I have no idea what their week has been. I don't know where they're even at in their spiritual life, but Lord, you do. And, I, and if you've spoken to them this morning by your word, Lord, I pray they would take a step towards Jesus to respond in the way that you're leading. God, we need your help. We so need your help. We ask it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Stand to your feet. Lori will play this morning. And this is just a time of private, personal response. I Seriously, I don't know the way God spoke to you this morning, but I believe he did. I believe God's word never returns void. It'll accomplish the purpose of where he sends it. And if God sent that to your heart this morning, don't delay. Respond. Respond to the Lord. You can come and pray and kneel up front. You can kneel right there in your seat this morning. Just some time of personal prayer, some time of drawing near to the Lord, confessing and forsaking and finding freedom.
He is eager this morning to welcome you. But we cannot come in our pride. We cannot come in our ingratitude. But will you lay those things down and come in humility to Jesus today? Father, thank you this morning for your word in our life. Thank you for the reminder of the tragedy of apathy. And Lord, help us to to walk with fresh, new, quickened hearts. For Jesus' sake, we ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.